Hello, you're listening to Jen and the Film Critic, and this week we will be talking about press screenings from the London Film Festival 2022. Sure will. My name's Jen Blundell, and with me, of course, is my film critic, Paul Sykes. Yeah. Let's get into it. <laughs> What were you going to say about film festivals? Oh, well, um, the London film one is on. <laughs> the London one is on. Yes. We're in it. This is how it begins. It's uh, how it begins. The film festival begins about two weeks before the actual festival opens for film critics. And critics are invited to come to the BFI in London and attend press screenings throughout the day. There are usually three a day. They're during working hours, which upsets literally everyone. Um, some of the movies are available via the digital sort of press pass thing, but by no means all. Um, and you see the movies, depending on how popular they think they're going to be. They're going to be an NFT one or possibly the little NFT two or three upstairs. You get a little break in between and they don't expect you to pack out your day every day for the two weeks. Mm. They expect you to come and see some stuff. They've yeah. explained this because people keep saying, <laughs> why don't you give us more time between movies? And their only response is, you ain't meant to be here for the whole day. <laughs> but you want to be here for the whole day because they are very good movies that they are screening. So here we are. We are ooh, a week and a day in. Yes, that is. No, last Tuesday because of the Queen. Because uh, I don't know if you heard the Queen died. So What? I know. Imagine if this is how you found out instead of from the dildo emporium like I found out when they tweeted. <laughs> Our consolations for the death of the Queen. <laughs> They genuinely did. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> you As know. did everyone. <laughs> so, yeah, Tuesday they started. And now here we are on Wednesday. So we're one week in. I already feel very sick. For those who don't know, last year I went to the film festival so much I got shingles and didn't get it treated for about a week. Still have mm-hmm. the scars. So I have literal scars from how hard I go at the film festival. I wow. tend to see somewhere around 50 of the movies in a month period um four weeks a calendar month um no it's not a calendar month that's a yeah it's about the average for a month it's two fortnights so yeah and yeah it's a lot (laughs) it's Mm. a lot to do i at once i have a love-hate relationship with it i i love all of these movies like honestly when i get sent that press thing and you just see all the movies that they're screening on the particular days because when the festival starts properly um they show uh, like a dozen or so movies in a day, mm. but like you can't see them all. It's three slots. There's a morning slot, a mid- afternoon slot, and then a sort of late afternoon slot. And you have to pick which movie. So you're yeah. just going through and it's like, okay, I'll do this one. Then I'll do that one. And then I'll do that one. And you're like making choices and like, yeah. Oh, I can do this one. I can get from here to here to do this one. And it's so much fun. Yeah. It's the best. Feel- it's, it's literally like a kid picking out his Christmas list. Mm. It's sheer wonder. And I absolutely love it. Um, and then the frustration as well. It's like, oh, why do these clash? Why aren't they doing another one of these? Yeah. Why are they doing this on the only day I can't take off of my actual job? It's just a wonderful process. But then also well, after you've done that and you're actually doing it and you just realize this is the third film of the day and I'm here for five more tomorrow. Yeah. It's just, it just weighs on you. And it, it's, it's a bold this choice. huge thing. Mm. And my God, the sort of, clear-headedness you achieve the day after it's all over is quite something yeah 
it's a beautiful feeling when it finally is finished. I personally mm. have what six or seven films, six I think. Booked yeah, in, this and is. I am most, overwhelmed. I yeah, this is the most you've done because you've been joining mm. me for a couple of years now. One year, but sure. Are you sure? When was the year we did? No, in 2019, you came to Scales. Yes, I managed like one or one or two films. Scales that, that and another time. one. I can't remember what the other one was. Uh, it was a rainy, an Iranian one about the woman who's trying to get elected. Yeah, she was great. Yes, yes. she was Doctor great. It was great. Because yeah. she's, yes, that was very good as well. I really enjoyed that. Or was it Saudi? No, it was Iranian. Iranian, yeah. And then the following year was lockdown, um, yeah. but they still did a festival anyway. And you came and saw Soul and Supernova, or you were due oh, to? Oh, I did. Oh my gosh, I have been going for years. <laughs> and then last year, I can't remember. Uh, last year, I saw um, a couple. I saw All My Friends Hate Me. Yes, I of saw course. There we go. Lost Daughter. Yeah. I saw. That's right. You came to a few of the biggins. Uh, Costa Brava Le- Lebanon. That was very good. And that I won the saw... prize last year because there is a yes, competition in the LFF. And yeah, Costa Brava Lebanon won, which mm, is great. That was very good. I yep. saw, what was that French one? A story of, a ta- it had a really, I didn't like the name, A Tale of Love and Desire or something like oh. that. It was hard to remember the name. It's a bit and too generic. And we also did a double bill, didn't we? One of yes. uh, the poetry one where they're studying poetry yes, together. Yes, that that's the one I'm talking about. The French oh, okay. one about, yes. Yes, about a um, boy... I think it's Algerian back, you know, yeah. heritage, living in Paris. That's he's doing, right. He's studying French and he falls in love for the first time. And it's, He does and it's kind of He's messy. studying po- poetry, sorry. He's falling in love for the first time and a sort of discovery. I loved it. I it thought was it was really wonderful. Good. I really enjoyed yeah. it. I'd yeah. really like to watch that again. It was and very then good. Ali's knee a, or Arhad's knee or something. Arhad's, Somebody's knee. Yes. It was an Israeli film that was quite odd. Yes. I don't self-aware. want to watch that again. No, that was a terribly good. But it was worth a go. I mean, it was weird. It was interesting. Interesting. It was certainly yeah. interesting, but that was my least yeah. favorite film. Yeah, <laughs> the ones so, yeah. we saw. This is your fourth year. Oh my gosh, I've yeah. been living near London for so long. You're a cineast. Mm. That is our experience of film festivals. So a feeling of trepidation and also excitement. Yes, yeah. I'm excited for the films I've picked this yep, year. I have gone about it. Um, I've gone about it uh, a little bit more practically than last mm. year, where I learnt the whole brochure and then decided to see what films I could actually physically make it to Mm. this year I did sort of skim the whole brochure but um then looked at the schedule and looked Mm. more in detail at the films I would actually physically be able to make it to yeah and I've also decided I made an active choice this year to not pick films that I thought I might start well actually I don't think that came up that much but Mm. I um, just ignored all the galas. Yeah, I didn't like the last look at all at any of the last galas. Year, you know, it was out a couple, uh, like a month later. Exactly. I mean, it was yeah. a chance to see it on a big screen because it yeah. didn't get much of a cinema release. Did no, it, it didn't, last and that was a shame yeah, because it, was because a it worked yeah. really well. Yeah, and we great. saw Olivia Coleman and Dakota Johnson being awkward yes, together. Yes, we did. Was... Yes, yeah, that was very nice. <laughs> That's but, always lovely. Um, I did intentionally just skip all of the gala, mm. yeah, offerings and just dis- and decided to pick films because for me what's great i mean i don't make it to the cinema that much anyway but mm. particularly as a language student i really enjoy mm. watching films that um explore the cultures that i'm supposed <laughs> to know about yes yeah from my a- language studies <laughs> so, so is so wonderful for that it's excellent and you know mm. there's a reason why you have 
film modules during language degrees because sure. it's a way it's a great way of getting to know the culture i never did Absolutely. any of those modules because <laughs> i didn't like writing essays about films oh, no. <laughs> which is why you do the film criticism on this oh. but um you like the hearing them right you like hearing <laughs> yeah, them spoken to you <laughs> i do um but the films I've picked are mostly um, sort of more niche stuff that I might not yeah. ever get, otherwise get a chance to see, mm. I think. Um, so that's my yeah. thoughts. And I've got seven, and I think seven that's, is plenty. That's plenty. Um, I think on three occasions I'm seeing two in the same evening. Yes. That's a lot. That is a lot. a lot. We also saw Compartments 15, Oh, yes, number six. The, number six, yes. Compartment <laughs> number something. Six, that was it. <laughs> yeah, six. Um, which was the Finnish one about... Very uh, good. ...a woman crossing Russia on the train and yes. ends up falling yeah, into which friendship, maybe love with this guy yeah. that you wouldn't have thought of. And it was very charming. I loved that It very was, much. and we discussed it here on the podcast, in fact. We have, yes, yes. Seven great. is a perfectly reasonable number. I have nine to talk about now. <laughs> great. Well. Yeah. <laughs> well, is this um, all the intro bit? I've just realized we haven't said our names or what this... What this oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is. This is uh, Paul Salt, film man. Jen Blundell. Not Lang. film man. Not I film guess. man. Your host... For this evening oh oh does that mean i need to know stuff do stuff and format uh, uh twitter no don't no. worry about it it's okay. fine <laughs> tell me about the films paul okay we start with eo um a movie that we've discussed here before when we did our can breakdown because it was mm-hmm. uh, a big deal there this is a movie about a donkey Mm-hmm. It's about the yeah. life of a of a donkey as it goes from the circus to being a workhorse to just changing hands and he being... became a horse. He became oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. I guess he's a work donkey. <laughs> yeah. You don't hear that very often, but yeah, he's a work donkey, and he he yeah tra- he transgresses into a beautiful stallion, and uh, <laughs> is ridden around by Robert Redford. It's a beautiful story mm. of becoming. Um, it's Jersey Smolininsky. Uh, director of The Shout, which is a movie I really love. Um, and it's his take really on old Hazard Balfazar, the old um, mm. uh, Robert Bressel. Why don't I want to say Robert Bressel? No, I do want to say Robert Bressel. The old Robert Bresson film. Say Robert Bresson then. Robert Bresson. How about that? The old <laughs> Robert Bresson film, which um, was also about a uh, sort of working donkey as it changes hands. That movie was so... Well, I mean, the thing about Bresson in general is that he is so... Ex- experimental but in this um really sort of nailed down way he's so purely cinematic and his movies have s- this sort of pace that is so strikingly beautiful and such a profound emphasis on the human and the donkey is this really interesting sort of device in and amongst all that this is a bit more conventional it's a bit more sentimental a bit more anthropomorphic as it does imply that the donkey has a good understanding of what's going on around it and has mm. you know feelings about it you know who's to say it doesn't you know i don't know yeah i don't know yeah donkey's very expressive perhaps and it's much more eventful there's much more extraordinary stuff going on it's more kind of traditionally entertaining if you want to call it that um as he changes hands there were moments where i wondered about what the tone of this was really meant to be and then isabelle huper shows up and i was like okay 
<laughs> she plays like the Duchess or something, and it's mm. and she has this weird kind of semi incestuous relationship with her son. And I'm like, okay, I know why we're here. Um, <laughs> this is the guy who directed the Shouts after all, a movie about a man who can has mastered the skill of being able to shout people's bodies out of their souls out of their bodies. Um, okay, very good movie that. Um, right. <laughs> uh, animal welfare is also obviously a factor here, and sort of broader themes about society and about class struggle. Um, parallels with sort of migrants and that kind of thing. It's all the things that you might expect and might want to do with a modern update of El Hazard Balthazar. Um, I enjoyed it. It's it's good fun. It, it's, it's, um, it's good fun. <sighs> Let me take that again. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. It's very interesting. It's a very experimental and uh, unusual movie that nevertheless, yeah, hits some of the right chords and is just a really fascinating watch. Um, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't strike the same chord as what was I meant to look this up that great movie that Ethan Hawke produced last year which just follows a pig if I do Ethan Hawke pig movie I'll probably get it right pig is it not called pig no that was the uh okay it's not daybreakers why <laughs> oh, no, oh, getting uh, was it um uh Avengers Age of Ultron that was the one with the pig in it the pig that didn't even come out last year but it's the nearest it's the first dumb answer i could think of no i'm not gonna get it it was the pig's name and i just cannot remember it nevertheless that movie had the pig and it was kind of this really interesting unromanticized view of the pig there was you know obviously a great effort to sort of show it as being this really human kind of figure and this intelligent being but then there's also a moment where the pig just kind of stands on one of its offspring and seems not to notice it sort of squeals and it's like it is it is still an animal um and it's not going to conform to sort of human ideas of compassion all the time you know it's just mm. it's got a different level of understanding and more of that kind of thing might have been interesting but nevertheless it's a very good if somewhat smolchy movie about the tragic life of a donkey interesting mm. okay. but it's not unremittingly bleak either it's got some really interesting imagery and some moments of humor and sort of surprise that yeah pull you along okay yeah yeah, yeah four stars oh good well, I haven't, but this isn't one that I've picked Yeah, <laughs> for the film festival. And I don't think it made it onto my short list anyway. So, mm. yeah, it's not, um, I don't know, something about it doesn't grab me personally. Interesting. But, yeah. yeah. Hmm. How about shout? What, about a guy being able to shout people's souls out of their bodies? Yeah. That does sound more appealing somehow. It sounds It was made strange. in 1983 and it has uh, Tim oh, Curry yes. in it. Oh, you should have started with that. <laughs> and John Hurt. Tim Curry's only in it a bit, but he's very memorable. It doesn't matter. Just a second of Curry is enough. Uh, Nightmare. Mm. I assume it's pronounced. The M is capitalised. Um, this is a Scandi horror movie about a woman who doesn't want to be pregnant and doesn't want to get pregnant. She has anxieties around childbirth and they move into a new house. Her and her kind of douchebag style <laughs> uh, partner who's not that bad, he's just a bit of a, you know. And, yeah, they're living there, and suddenly weird dreams are happening. She's having these very vivid dreams where she feels like someone is in the house, and she has these dreams about someone who looks like her husband, but much more sort of powerful and dynamic and exciting, but also kind of sinister and scary. And then, yeah, she suddenly she is pregnant, and she's trying to get an abortion, but something's going wrong there, and there's a body horror aspect, and Ooh. she's having spooky dreams about her house. So... It's a movie that starts with a definition of sleep paralysis, which is interesting because it's not really about sleep paralysis. There was a good mm. mo- there was a good documentary about the weird phenomenon of sleep paralysis mm. and how 
people who have it keep having this very similar experience of a man standing over their bed uh, Mm. when they have it, which is a very scary idea. This isn't so much about that as much as it is just anxieties around motherhood and loss of Mm. identity and, you know, the body being transformed into utility and, you know, losing control of your life and things like that. It's it's fairly good. It's the horror style is quite conventional, although it was amusing the extent to which it was working on some of my fellow critics. There's a bit where (laughs) she has a dream and she goes to the wall and she presses it and there's a door there. And then she wakes up and she tries to do it with her husband the next day and she goes and the door isn't there. And one of my fellow critics just went, huh. Oh, buddy, is this is this your first horror movie? <laughs> oh, it's not there. Wow, gosh, oh. they can do anything with cinema, can't they? <laughs> well, what does that mean? How how could that be? Um, uh, Ellie, gosh, Hart- I wonder what this what this is a metaphor for. <laughs> oh, it could be a metaphor. It hadn't even occurred to me. Hang on a minute. Am I not here? Can I not speak to them? <laughs> Check the other walls. <laughs> um. Ellie Harbour is very good in the lead role. She's very good at being sort of manic and yet also, you know, very relatable and sympathetic character. Unfortunately, I feel like I've just already had my my husband leaves me alone in the house whilst he works all day and I'm being haunted and am I going crazy or have I internalised the patriarchy movie for the year? And it's The Watcher, you know. Mm. Although this is better than Don't Worry Darling, I think. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I give it three stars. I really enjoyed the ending. I think it has a very powerful and strong ending. Interesting. Um, yeah, which can be read many different ways. Uh, but yes, it's just a three star. It felt a little conventional to be here in the festival. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. But that's not yeah. why I'm giving it three stars. It's just, it's fun. I, was, I read the horror section or the whatever they call oh, it, yeah. thrill or dare. Yeah, they don't call it something. outright horror so that they can try I mean, and trick is. people into it. Come on, stop it. <laughs> I think cult um, as well. De- EO is in the dare section, Paul. You didn't mention that. Um... There are some pretty provocative moments in there. I mean, Isabel Huppert's in it, so yes. something's going to happen. I was going to say yeah. that there didn't seem anything truly, truly freaky, but oh, there's a are. couple. Now I'm, I'm looking back through. I'm yeah, thinking there are a couple that actually look quite freaky. Yes, there's one um, that's coming up that I haven't seen yet, but I'm hoping to about a. Um, it's called The Origin or something. It's a Paleolithic horror movie about a group mm. of cavemen who sort of try and move from one place to another and are being stalked by something. That's looking good. Um, oh, technically, one of the films we're seeing is in the thrill section. Ooh, which one? Uh, Boy from Heaven. Oh, that's the one by Niall Hilton, man. Yeah, Tarek, huh. uh, Tarek Saleh. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Maybe. Interesting. Uh, Anywho. I can't find the film. Oh, no, Cult is what they call it. Cult yes, Cult. is the horror section. Yeah, it's Cult. Just, just call it Cult. Uh, horror. <laughs> they did just call Ooh. it Cult. <laughs> yeah, um, that one. But our lad recalled a horror, a horror. Well, let's talk about Blaze. Blaze? I thought you were going to say Blade for a second. <laughs> let's talk about Blade. I really like it. Let's actually. just talk about Blade for a while. It's very I've funny. I've never seen it. Oh, really? Oh, it's good. Yeah. It's good stuff. Mm. It's really funny, the films that you suddenly hanker for when you're in like your third Russian documentary about... <laughs> about you how... want to watch something you're actually going to enjoy. Yeah, but like you, you pine for bad things. Like You suddenly find yourself thinking, I could really go Attack of the Clones right now. <laughs> just suddenly really really into the idea it's very straight yeah. it's not because you're bored you're engaged but you just want something easy. straightforward and actually that's yeah, why you, documentaries you want something easy. documentaries are actually quite good at that because documentaries tend to be quite didactic there's very mm. few unless it is something like moon age daydream there's very few that are sort of very abstract and weird and you have to sort of do the thinking yeah most of the time they're just like this is important here's why and it's actually very nice. <laughs> yes, just have it laid out for you. Oh, thank you, documentary. I don't. I'm, I'm going to Google the shit out of this later, but oh, it's very nice to have this laid out for me right now. 
Mm-hmm. Tell you what's not laid out for you very easily is Blaze. Mm. A young girl with a wild imagination witnesses the assault and murder of a woman. Uh, mm. She is traumatized and then has to suffer the pressure, indignity, and sort of public humiliation of having to bear witness to this act and relive it to, um, whilst in the presence of a hostile court setting, including a defense attorney who's just, you know, trying to poke holes in her testimony. She struggles to make sense of all of this, of her experience, um, through the lens of her sort of rich fantasy life. A very eye-grabbing picture of this in the uh, program of her with sort of dragon in her mouth with uh, yes. fire uh, yes. coming out of it. It's an Australian film. Mm. Uh, who is it directed by? Del Catherine Barton is the director. I don't believe I've seen anything. Although an artist, that makes a lot of sense. I think this might be her first uh, feature film. Um, it was extremely, yeah, kind of artistic in its um, production design. I kind of want to share screen right now and just share an image <laughs> of sort of, yeah, it's it's got a very profound sort of sense of um, ah, production cool. design around her and very sort of artful in its mm. layout. Even the, like, the title screen has this really wonderful yes. kind of... Um, thing and it's very colorful very yeah playful in its own way in spite of being about this really fierce subject matter mm. so there have been a fair few films to, that explore the idea of children processing difficult feelings through their imagination uh you know bridge to terabithia i kill Ooh. giants a monster mm. calls you know of varying quality agreed I like the approach. I'm a big believer. No, in... I liked Bridge to Terrific. Oh, right. I want that on the record. I oh, loved sorry. it. Maybe cry. <laughs> I Halfway through, your it noise. suddenly gets incredibly brutal. Yes. And you realise what's going on. Absolutely. And yet the, the fantastical it. setting becomes mm. part of the way they process that. My Neighbor Totoro as well. Um, ah. You know, I, I, like the, I like the approach. I'm a big believer in tackling big topics in a way that, you know, mm. people can process well by doing it through this fantastical kind of lens. And after all, why should a girl, a little girl who's experiencing horrible things be any less imaginative and odd and quirky than anyone else? And why shouldn't that be part of her story? Mm. Um, and yeah, it makes it easier to talk about these issues. Can be tricky. There is a risk. The risk is that the results may be incongruous, that there might be a big tonal shift to navigate, and that you could, at worst, uh, trivialize the issue at the heart of the piece. Uh, mm. Blaze succeeds very well. Uh, her fantasies revolve around this gorgeously realized dragon that appears as a big uh, a big bird style puppet mm. <clears throat> this um yeah just her constant companion and it's all sequins and feathers and like this gorgeous looking thing um and that is her sort of constant companion and comfort and the thing that she sort of fantasizes about and is also um kind of a version of herself uh, an yeah. idealized version of herself um speaking of her let me oh god is it gonna bury her name yeah it's going to credit every man in the film before it credits her great there we go the cat hey do you know what the character's name is blaze uh (sighs) julia savage julia savage is the actor um Mm. and she is fantastic my god she really does just hold the screen um it's a very very impressive performance from her um and yeah just some really unique imagery that's just totally unique that's totally Ah, stop saying totally that is i've talked about too many movies entirely entirely uh completely synonym woman i need a replacement for unique one of a kind one of a kind it's one of a kind innovative innovative it's um powerful good (laughs) (laughs) the problem with this is i always hated writing reviews for the film festival because there are only so many synonyms i have for good 
Yes. Um, it's much easier to talk about bad movies in some respects because there's only mm, so many times you can say this to. looks good. This, you know, bad movies can be bad in lots of different ways. Good things can sometimes be describable in the same way. Um, and I thought that talking about it would make it easier, but it's, it's I'm struggling. But Blaze... <laughs> You're doing great. It's past 11pm. Uh, this is our second really episode Ill. recording of the evening. And you're quite ill, <coughs> so... True. That's it. That's it. Cough the bad words out. <laughs> Blaze is great. Blaze is a very good film. It's five stars for me. It's a very Wonderful. important film and a film that I think a lot of young people are going to really gravitate towards. And Find is giving voice to feelings and force that they would struggle to deal with because at the heart of it is this idea that she has this horrible obligation um in spite of her own trauma and Mm. she's got to find some kind of inner strength amidst a world that just profoundly doesn't understand or sympathize with what she's going for through she's got to find a strength to actually just do what it is she needs to do to try and find justice and also find peace within herself and it's a horrible obligation but it's hers and that's something that way too many people are able to relate to because of the way things are in the world um Mm. so yeah it feels very urgent powerful and just well made that's such a lame one to end on it's well made as well yeah (laughs) oh that's very good i would watch that yeah i think so i think it's good stuff Mm. i wonder if mark kermode ever just had a meltdown in any of his shows (laughs) this one's good too I liked it. Don't make me describe why. <laughs> I just liked it, okay? It's just fun. You're being mean, Simon. Yeah. What do you mean by mean? It's interesting. <laughs> uh, why? why are you picking on me? Simon Mayo is the greatest bully any of us have ever known. <laughs> and he has to be stopped. Bullied him to greatness, and that's my job here. Come on, Paul. Next film, next you little... Oop. Film, it's cheese. Cheese? cheese That's not a... a film, Paul. That's a food. You've really <laughs> lost it now. Oh, no. This is cheese with a dollar sign instead of an S. Ah, this is about uh, drugs? It's about drugs, y'all. Yes. Um, if something is from Trinidad and Tobago, it is Trinidad and Tobagoese? <laughs> from Trinidad and Tobago. Okay, great. That'll do. Or Trinidadian? Trinidadian, Tobagan. I like. What about the Tobago? Toba- Toba- what Toba- about the Tobogonists who you're? I would just say there? of Trinidad and Tobago. You know what? Yeah. If you want, I'll look it up on the uh, United <laughs> Nations term base. Ooh, please do. You're getting it will be of Trinidad and Tobago. I can tell you right now, it's publicly available. Um, oh. Well, you're getting exclusive uh, access anyway <laughs> because you didn't know this existed before. Now, uh, it will almost certainly be of Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> Amazing, because these long ones, even New Zealand, they don't accept New Zealander. Or New uh, Zealand dish or anything. Here we go. We view the United Nations HQ term. Because that is the official, most official option. Yes. And yes, the answer is of Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> yeah, that's good instinct. But uh, full full country title is the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. Ah, well, there you go. That's this a is, fact for you. This is a film from there. And Capital be... City? Oh. Capital uh, City? I have no, no idea. Trinidad City. Mm, no, Port of Spain. Oh, right. Well, I didn't know that. Anyway. This is a movie about... Shut up, Jen. <laughs> is... Stop being so interesting about foreign countries. I need to talk about That's movies more. interesting. 
I unfortunately have not been. This is not necessarily the best tourist effort for... Oh, actually, no, it is, because it's about a guy. He lives in Turtle Village, as it's called, and it's full of eccentric inhabitants, including a wonderful man who wears a kung fu outfit throughout the entire thing and is possessed of astonishing wisdom. Um, And if the movie has anything to teach you, it's if you see the um, profound spiritual raster man of the village going into the forest on his own, you best not follow. Um, (laughs) So this is a movie about a young man who dreams of getting away from his city. His name is Skimmer, a city, his town, his little village (laughs) in the Caribbean. Um, He wants to get out of there. Um, And he sees an opportunity when he is trained up to be a master cheese man. And okay. One day he decides that the cheese might be used to smuggle out drugs because that's what he finds when he follows the um, uh, the guy into the forest is he finds a great mm. big stash of drugs and he's going to use the cheese to smuggle it out. Except when you put drug- the marijuana into uh, hot cheese and have it cool, something to do with the... With the, ooh, the chemicals. The chemicals, science, but also the grueliness of it, some magic. Mm. The cheese becomes very potent. You never know what you're going to see, as he, as Skimmer says. Um, and it also seems to have uh, aphrodisiac qualities and a uh, ho- okay. host of other things that go on. So he then starts brandishing his special kind of cheese drug. Mm. Everybody wants cheese. Cheese weed. Um, mm. And it's, yeah, kind of a rags to riches story, but in this very, <laughs> very slight sense. You're not going to get a mansion and a Merchilago at the end of this movie. It's just <laughs> he starts moving up in this weird little society, taking on more and more risk and hopefully getting closer to escaping his uh, responsibilities on the island because he's, you know, being beckoned to sort of become part of the sort of local industry. And also he has gotten a girl pregnant who is um, uh-huh. you know, putting some pressure on in order to try and make an honest woman of her. Mm-hmm. It's a really funny film. It has a fantastic sense of humor. Um, really inventive in terms of its filmmaking. It's one of those things where it feels brand new. You mm-hmm. know, it's very hard to point at something and say, oh, you're ripping off this. No, this feels very, very new. And that's kind Ooh. of exciting. Uh, in particular, amazing use of subtitles. Throughout the whole thing, you have this kind of... Um... Now, I wonder if this would count as patois. It's um, near English. It feels like an, a dialect of English. It could be a Creole. I'm th- uh, the difference between a patois and a Creole is, uh, or a pigeon. They're all. It's tricky. I, I wonder. Well, I wonder if this movie is listed as being in a particular. Well, it says English language English. It is pretty mm. much decipherable. It's just a really interesting. But it is all subtitled. Um, and it's a okay. very interesting, a really oh, just wonderful turns of phrase, things mm. that make just perfect sense. Um, but you would never think to use the words that way um and sometimes it the subtitles play around with the fact that it knows its audience is going to pretty much know what's being said and offers alternate subtitles on what's being said oh fun the best of which is when the pregnant woman is meeting with the sort of village um elders and they're saying things and the subtitles are providing the context of what they're saying like at one point when they're just saying obviously whilst you're in this condition um you are, you know, it is best to give you your space. And the subtitle just says, because whoring is contagious or something like that. It's <laughs> okay. just, it's very, it's very good. Yeah. Very playful yeah. and cheeky. Um, yeah. It's a crime story, essentially, but just feels like, yeah, something that is absolutely not beholden to anything in terms of what the story is trying to tell. And it has this really poetic sense of the inevitable as well, that all of this is going to come crashing down. Mm. Um, yeah. And I just, I was really impressed by it. So I think it's all five stars. Wow, great. Yeah. This this was on my shortlist. Yeah. I wanted to see this one. It's really good. I thought it sounded fun. 
in yeah. this it really is and yeah ends in a really kind of perfect sense because right. it's like a shaggy dog story really and there's just such a great sort of weariness to our main character as things start to go wrong it's mm. yeah he's a, a very good performer i should actually i should have his name as one last thing before we move away from cheese um damien marcano is the director and he was one to watch and i believe that our lead performer skimmer is akil gerard williams i believe cool and he's great he's well. so good excellent perfect perfect <sighs> one fine morning one fine morning one fine morning uh, this is the new film by Mia Hansen Love, who had a big splash last year with uh, Bergman Island. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. The Love has a vertical cross for it. Love. Love. That's how I pronounce that letter, but I have absolutely no basis for doing so. <laughs> I just like to. I, it sounds Leuve. good. Mia Hansen Love. Yeah. This whole podcast is you just teaching me how to speak. I don't. I I'm making it. it up, Paul. Well, that's what I like, though, is that you have the confidence to do so. I, I doubt myself is the problem. If that's I just said love job. and moved past it, I'd have been fine. Yeah. Like Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah. Ah, there you go. Mm. Yeah. You see, someone ought to make a movie about someone who does your job. So, Leia Seydoux <laughs> is an interpreter, actually, for uh, various <laughs> facilities. Genuinely is. And she, yeah. um, <laughs> which takes her all about the place. Not my job, but... Oh! Oh, no, you're translated. Damn it. I even made the effort of doing interpreter because you explained it. Yeah. Shit. It's fine. Shit. I'll only hate you for a while. That's fine. It's particularly galling because I went to the effort of not mixing that up and then mixed it up live. <laughs> it's okay. I don't genuinely get offended. Ah. It's, it's very entertaining. <laughs> Nevertheless, Leia said out. Fine, Paul. <laughs> Leia said out is an interpreter. I bothered mm. to write that down. Um, yeah, and she's got a lot going on. There's her job, which sees her all over the place. Um, taking on all of these different works. She seems very fine with that, but sometimes the pressure from the rest of her life gets to her. The big thing in her life is her father. Her father has some sort of condition that is not Alzheimer's, but is nevertheless seeing him deteriorate in terms of his ability, mm. his ability to do mm-hmm. things, although his sort of awareness seems to still be there. So her mother is putting pressure on her to try and get him into a care home because he's not going to be able to continue to cope on the level of care that she is insisting on mm. providing, which is three trips a day. Um, meanwhile, she has a daughter who is stubbornly, stubbornly and insisting on becoming her own person, mm-hmm. which is very inconsiderate of her at the worst possible time. <laughs> um, and also, she starts; uh, she's a single mum, and she starts to have an affair with a married man. Oh. Yes. And it's really just a movie about her trying to manage all of these things and struggling to be satisfied with the moments of happiness she is afforded by these things. She can't mm. deal with the baggage that comes with it all. Mm-hmm. nobody should have to be uh nobody who doesn't want to be should have to be saddled with the life of a mistress um nevertheless it's still a relationship that she finds rewarding but she just can't stand the temporary nature of it the mm. same with her father she has these moments of sort of bonding and sort of nice interaction but she doesn't want to get her hands dirty and she can't deal with the fact that this is something that he's not going to be able to do for most of the time she even says mm. that she feels more close to him when she's around his books than when his body uh, because he was a, a, a professor, a philosophy professor, and so she feels that his spirit is in the books. Yeah, There's something of Alma Devar in it, really, because mm. in addition to just having all of these characters who just feel like they are living their own lives beyond the frame, you know, we're not content to just have a nagging ex-wife who wants to put him in a care home. She's also a member of Extinction Rebellion and keeps getting arrested <laughs> for like various <laughs> protests that she goes to. 
um and you know they've got their own kids and you know it's a larger family than it seems um everyone's got stuff going on the color palette is gorgeous just a really lovely kind of muted world that you want to spend time in i didn't end up actually seeing bergman island partly because of my own baggage with bergman um but also just timing didn't work out i would now Mm. really like to go back and watch that um because i feel like i may have misjudged its tone um, mm. I mistook it for a Scandinavian film is the thing. It's a French film, uh-huh. so it's going to be good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a Scandinavian oh. film to talk about shortly where we might touch on some <laughs> of this. Um, it feels like Eric Roma, kind of. It's like this this mm. full life evoked. You feel like you're just looking into a slice of... Oh, God, I was just about to say a slice of life, and I arrived there organically. Slice of someone's world. Ah, oh, it's a slice of world. Mm. You're seeing a little cross section. Uh, you're you're getting a slice of pie free with every screening. Mia Hansen Lewis uh, promised it. Ah, mm. uh, and yeah, I have a final point I want to talk about. I don't know if I'm awake enough to handle the nuance of it. Uh, let's give it a go. It's about Leia Seder. Mm. Her recent roles have really focused on kind of her body and physicality. She's been uh naked an awful lot in a lot of her recent films, and it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting to compare this because she was in the bond movie she was in no time to die where we moved away from her sort of sex symbol status Mm -hmm. of the previous movie and more into the sort of motherhood slash damsel in distress role yeah uh no nudity but nevertheless she is that her body is kind of present to be a macguffin that is sort of captured and then must be recaptured Mm. by the hero next she was in uh the french dispatch where she poses nude for a uh sort of in order to fuel you know a male character's journey uh, Benicio del Toro's character. It's a very good film, that, and I really do enjoy her role in it because she's got <laughs> such a great character in it as well. But nevertheless, her body is very much a big part of her role. And then A Crimes of the Future, of course, as previously discussed, there's all sorts mm-hmm. of things going on there. So it is interesting. And of course, she started, you know, the big thing that brought her to fame was uh, Blue is the Warmest Color back in 2013, which had a you know mm. tremendous amount of nudity in it. <laughs> it's interesting then that this movie, directed by Mia Hansen Love, it still focuses very much on her body. Like, she gets much more naked than her very attractive lover in this. Um, and, you know, we we spend moments sort of dwelling on his sort of touch of her and things like that. And yet it does achieve the thing that I think Olivia Wilde was talking about with Don't Worry Darling, of focusing on her pleasure. And I think mm. the idea is to contrast her body, which is so sort of young and vibrant and does all of the things that she wants it to do with the sort of crumbling body of her father, who mm. at various points in the film sort of adopts a, a, a terrible hunch and I think it's where you come back to this title, the one fine morning idea, which is that we have these sort of brief moments in which we get to be sort of young and sexy and like Leia Seydau, Um, and all too all too soon, you know, the evening sets upon us. And it's just about learning to be content with that. Um, mm. And it's not necessarily a journey that she fully completes in this movie, but it's represent- representative of a step in the right direction for her. And it's, yeah, just a really lovely film as well. I think that is all five stars. I just... At a point, I suddenly realized I just didn't want it to end. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to spend longer in this film, which is a testament considering it's tackling issues like mental health, you know, and mm. aging, I think. It was just, it never felt bleak. It never felt exploitative of what it was depicting. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm um, feeling very vindicated, Paul, because this was <gasps> also on my shortlist. Oh my God. Mm. Wow. Am I a genius or... Am I just lucky? I we'll think maybe, have to find out. I think you might be a film genius, and I think you I think ought I to might be, doing... be really good at picking the films. I yeah. can't tell you about them, but I can pick them good. You know, I think maybe you should be doing the film curation course. Or maybe you should be teaching it. 
you know what? No, you just give me a week and a, sh- a long list of like a thousand film. I don't know how many films <laughs> longer than that. It'd yeah. have to be, wouldn't it? How many are they showing at the film festival? Oh God, I think uh, it's less than usual. I feel like it's usually somewhere around two hundred. This year, it's more like seventy something. Wow. That's, yeah, it's not very many. No. Uh, yeah, you give me a long list of a thousand films yeah. and I'll tell you the 20 that are going to be amazing. <laughs> Perfect. Well, actually, let's cut ahead a bit because that kind of segues into Fragments of Paradise. Okay. The first documentary at the film festival that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I haven't talked about one so far, have I? I don't think so. No. Okay, great. <laughs> I listen to me. Um <laughs> Ah, at least one of us does. <laughs> you see. It's <laughs> funny it. because it's so true. So mm-hmm. true. This is a movie about uh, Jonas Mekas, who was, yeah, the godfather of avant-garde cinema, a very interesting filmmaker, and yet what really stood out to me about Fragments of Paradise was his efforts in film curation and preservation. He, oh, interesting. He's a man, he's moved over from uh, Eastern Europe. Where did he come from? Oh, dear. Oh, I just closed the page. Oh, nuts. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Let me see if it tells. Oh, dear. Dear, dear, dear. It might not say. It doesn't say. It doesn't say, and that's fine. I'm happy. Lithuania? Oh, okay, great. It's Lithuanian's listed as one of the languages. So yes, that's probably it. So, yes, he is... Yeah, he, he's fled from there. He's come to America, where in the 70s he starts filming this sort of gorgeous footage of um, New York at the time. And he starts working at a cinema, and he starts, I think he starts creating his, his own sort of space in order to screen films. And he ends up doing this thing that I absolutely love. Mm. He ends up curating a list. A list of films that he represents, represents the, he feels represents the height of the art. Mm. This is the absolute top of what the standard of film is, and it behooves him, therefore, to just screen these movies again and again for anyone who will come and watch it, in the hope that it will represent the sum total of the state of the art. That, you know, new filmmakers can come along and see it, and it's be like, here it is. This is what cinema is. Mm. What can you add? You know, what can you do next? And there's just such a beautiful idea behind that, and the spirit of it, that I really, really loved. So, I think that was the part that really stood out to me, but it's a documentary by Katie Davidson, uh, who's previously worked on uh, Time is Illmatic, Il- <laughs> interesting film from 2014 <laughs> that I didn't think I would think about again. Nevertheless, <laughs> here we are. You never know what's going to swing around again. No. Um, but yeah, it, it, it bespeaks that kind of innovative approach. Uh, to the subject matter it's um kind of all over the place we cut around the place and we're using an awful lot of footage from the man himself um in a way that is just really compelling it put me in mind of that movie about the woman who wanted to document everything recorder the marion stokes project it was at the film festival a couple of years ago it reminded me of that it's the same sort of chaotic mind um I think Bob Monkhouse also had this fascination with recording all comedy that was on the television and kept like a crazy shed full of stuff. And there's actual, interesting. there's actual like stuff that we only have now because it came from the Bob Monkhouse collection. <laughs> um, it's an interesting compulsion to sort of mm. capture and catalog everything. And yeah, it has a similar feel to that. Every time we see his home, it's just full of boxes and, you know, there's all this wonder associated with all these things that he's captured and his own work as well. It's yeah. a really fascinating ins- insight into a man who felt absolutely compelled to work and be a part of this and reach the, en- reach the end of his life wondering what it was all worth. And the movie tries to speak to people and use his words and his images to try and give a satisfactory explanation to what it was all worth. 
Interesting. Yeah. Hard to assign a star rating to that. I think I'll do four. I think I'll do four stars. Great. Yeah. It sounds interesting. It was interesting. Yeah. I'll tell you what's more interesting and more (laughs) up my path. Uh Uh-huh. Lynch Oz. Oh, oh, I see. Yes. This is a collection of video essays by Mm -hmm. filmmakers and critics set to montages of footage all around The Wizard of Oz and its influence on one Mr. David Lynch. Mm -hmm. The essays explore The Wizard of Oz as a cultural icon, a gateway to cinema, and a sort of universal touchstone. Uh, Then they investigate Lynch's fondness for it and the sort of impact it's had on his work, including recurring motifs and a general sort of story structure and deeper into sort of more nuanced understandings of the work and why it spoke to him mm. um and it's fascinating i really love it mm. it's exactly my kind of movie the director is alexandra ophelipe is the director who also did 7852 a brilliant documentary about um the shower scene in psycho and also did a very good movie called yeah. the people versus george lucas a few years ago so yeah he's a very good uh documentarian who's very you know interested in film and the essayists in this are so fascinating. The people who come along and talk about it. Mm. Um, I think Amy Nicholson gives one of the, um, uh, one of the intros and she's just really good. And there's a moment early on where the first essayist um, is talking about the wizard of Oz and talks about the moment, the reason why it's such an important movie for kids to see is that there is a moment at the beginning of that movie where you're in sepia tone, it's a world we can recognize, a depressing world, and Judy Garland has just had a horrible encounter, and she starts singing. She sings Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and mm. that is the world of cinema, as she puts it, opening its arms to you and saying, are you in? Yeah. Are you on board for what we have here? And that's such a lovely way of putting that, and just such <laughs> a nice sort of crucial moment of sort of make or break, are you going to be into cinema? That was yeah. fantastic. And it's just some of the... And, and John Waters is here. And that's my mm-hmm. highlight because I just... It's yeah. a delight to listen to John Waters. Um, and he talks about how much uh, The Wizard of Oz had influenced his work. Most obviously Dorothy the Kansas City pothead. But... Because <laughs> mostly unmade short film. But yeah. also his love of the Wicked Witch. He mm. talks about how she looks so... Uh, I think he's the one who wrote to her and got a very good letter back. Um, but he talks about how she looks so good and sort of dark mm. and twisted whilst the um, the good witch Glenda looks like a woman who went insane whilst preparing for the prom. <laughs> Which is a great <laughs> way of putting it. He's really funny. Wonderful footage of both his movies as well and, and a, a great picture of him and David Lynch because they encountered each other early on in, in their career uh, careers. Wow. And Lynch was very fond of John Waters. Um, I'm sure. This is a great picture of the two of them, just looking like the most unlikely people to be friends ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just a movie that absolutely adores cinema and draws so much in and had me thinking so much about so many different things when I left. Um, and also just really desperately wanting to rewatch all of the films of David Lynch. And I will say one thing. this I, I feel like, and this, I hate to say this because I don't want to discourage anyone from seeing it, but the film does spoil some pretty big David Lynch moments. Okay. Uh, which I would therefore suggest that people who at least have seen most of Lynch's big films, best films, would see this. 
I wouldn't what necessarily. What talking here? Mulholland Drive, Eraser Head. Uh, I hate. I'd hate to say all of Twin Peaks, but it has the final <laughs> moment of Twin Peaks: The Return, like the very okay. end, and it's one of the best endings to anything ever. I absolutely right. love the ending to Twin Peaks: The Return. Um, yeah, it might be. Oh God, I hate to say. I don't want to be like the gatekeeper of this movie and say, "Oh, any real Lynch fans should come and no, see I it." But no, I, I don't think it's gatekeeping. I think it's just giving a fair warning. There yeah, are the spoilers. spoilers. There are spoilers mm, in this. The spoilers, fair warning, but you might aware. still enjoy this anyway. Oh God, yeah, because if, if mm. anything, what I hope is that it will engender a love for or a curiosity to see some of David Lynch's films when he, they talk about things like Wild at Heart, you know, and The Elephant mm. Man, and how that sort of relates to Oz in terms of recurring kind of thematic concerns and imagery it's a very good documentary it's it really makes you care about what it's about and has you thinking about these things which yeah is really good wonderful yeah sounds excellent yeah (laughs) one actually one of the one last thing on that one of the things that really stood out to me was when it demonstrates that some filmmakers become absolutely obsessed with a particular image and just have to keep trying to recreate it Mm. like um one car y is obsessed with an image of someone being reflected in a mirror not quite looking mm. at themselves. And uh, Antonioni constantly has two people in frame not looking at each other. And like it mm. does this for Lynch as well. I can't remember what the example is for Lynch. It's curtains, I think. Uh, lip syncing in front of curtains. <laughs> he f- constantly has people singing, lip syncing in front of a curtain. And it just is really interesting, that idea that filmmakers might become possessed of some sort of image in their head and kind of go a bit mad trying to recreate it. And it's not quite perfect. So they keep trying to do it. Like in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, when Richard Dreyfus is trying to make the mountain out of mash, you know, and then he has to use dirt, and then he has to go there, and it's, you know, it's it's really an interesting idea, that. The idea that a, an image could be like a, a little, you know, earworm that you just can't, mm. an itch you just can't scratch until you perfectly realise it. I kind of love yeah. that. So, yes, five yeah. stars to that great it was great yeah i'd watch that i haven't watched any i think i've watched a single thing by well, Lynch. it's tricky because there's so much horror yeah. in what he does like yeah there's, a, there's horror and there's horror though yeah maybe so this is try this a race ahead more... see how you get on i'd like to watch twin, twin peaks for example it's so good yeah i'd really like to i've i've it's just one of those things that i've never got round to oh man i think i have the entire box set including the movie it's yeah it is extremely good I, can maybe well, I, did, I, I think I'd enjoy it. Yeah, I think you would. It's yeah, it's mm. very quirky and funny and just yeah. full of idiosyncrasy, which I I um I love. Went to a Twin Peaks <coughs> themed bar in Berlin Ooh, once, fun. and that was my first experience of Twin Peaks. <laughs> and uh, I went in and thought this bar's very cool and strange. Yeah. I think I might like this show. <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting aesthetic, and it has that whole mm. sort of fifties kind of the darkness that lies just beneath in a way like don't worry darling in many ways but Mm. in a much more satisfying way um Mm. my favorite david lynch thing is that he talks about how a lot of people met him when he would frequent uh bob's big boys a sort of american diner chain and he Mm. would always go in and order a chocolate milkshake and he had this huge Mm. thing about when you could get the perfect milkshake at bob's big boys you had to go Mm. in at 2 30 because okay. the stuff had to be in the machine for long enough to have gotten nice and cold without congealing. Mm. And he says that he went to Bob's Big Boys for like eight years, I think he said, and he had the perfect shake five times. Wow. And he knows exactly how many times he had the perfect shake. And I love that. That really yeah. endears me to him. Yeah. He's a very endearing type. Mm. He's such a, he's just an, I, there was a really good documentary made about him actually called The Art Life in 2016, okay. which really just, 
presents this picturesque quality of him just living out in the the mountains, the Hollywood Hills, um, just in his studio doing his strange work that must be done, you know, kind of mm. obsessively, but living also just a very good lifestyle based around meditation and coffee. Now he does a daily weather report, doesn't yes, he? Yes, and a lucky number. Yeah. yeah. So I think he's still living that best life. I really think he is. I think he might actually be the <laughs> happiest man on earth. <laughs> yeah. He and Werner he films. He's now off just doing whatever the heck he wants to do. I like the idea Wonderful. that it's the weirdos who find contentment. Yeah, that's nice. That's very reassuring. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah. Um, okay, two movies left. Okay. Blue Island. Blue Island? Blue Island is a... God, how to describe Blue Island? It's an unusual premise. Um, this is a movie about... Hold on. It's, it's basically about a document... It's a it's a documentary about a film crew and they appear to be making a film about previous uh, pro-democracy struggles in china Uh however they are casting within the film people who are a part of the current struggle to have a independent hong kong okay and so it is about this great meeting of previous generations with sort of new generations of Mm. protesters and there's this great melancholy to the whole thing that this represents decades worth of struggles this is a you know they talk about tiananmen square and you know all of the pro-democracy things that they've been trying to do pretty much since the cultural revolution we're talking about 70 years here of sort of waves and it happens the same way every time young people take up the cause they take to the streets there's a clash they clamp down there's terrible violence you know real dark stuff goes on oh yeah and the whole thing is pressed down and here we go again and it's just one of the things that was really fascinating was seeing a member of i think there was there was a 1989 uh incident it was a i think a big struggle towards democracy in 1989 um some sort of protest because there was um at the pro hong kong march representatives of the sort of survivors of that particular massacre. I think they might have opened fire on the crowds. Mm. And there was this weird sense of them feeling apologetic to the current uh, generation of protesters, feeling like they had failed in their protest and that, you Mm. know, their revolution didn't happen and they feel this horrible sense of guilt towards this new generation. And that's such an interesting angle. It's, I don't know, it's just, obviously... you know, we've had protesters for generations here for things like gay rights, you know, like trans rights, for all of these things that we hope, just hope that one day will will be actually fully realized and, you know, people get to be human beings in every sense and have their human rights mm. respected. But it's so hard to imagine a sort of independence movement lasting for that long and being so... Yeah forcibly shut down and there's this tr- tremendous act of defiance in the film and seeing all of these people sort of united by this and surreal little moments too like when they go to the uh the countryside and they're halfway up this mountain amidst all of these sort of rice paddies and um well not rice paddies they're amongst these farms this farmland mm. and they have a guy there who is representing a sort of cultural revolution spokesperson who has come and is talking about how great Mouse, uh, Chairman Mao is. And they've got a picture mm. of him there and they're, you know, doing chants and things. And then we cut to the back of the line where one of the extras for the film is chatting with an older extra and just says, was it like this? And they said it wasn't, you know, we didn't chant so much. It wasn't this enthusiastic. Mm. And it's just, it's such an interesting way of exploring this. 
yeah. um, this issue. And yeah, it's very cute because obviously it's it's so pertinent because this Hong Kong process thing is still happening and it has this utterly terrifying moment where they have footage from this um, conference where all of these protesters have been meeting and as we're watching it, little subtitles come up on screen to tell you what's happened to everyone and it's like you know here's wow. this guy you know in prison since january 2021 this guy in prison since january 2021 you know this guy's still awaiting trial being held you know and it's just everyone at this thing mm. has now been imprisoned and is supposedly awaiting trial you know and it's just yeah a really terrifying thing and a really interesting insight into that it's interesting yeah it was very good, but it was uh, it was it was full on. I imagine. But this was uh, another one on my shortlist. Ah, beautiful! Mm. <laughs> it's very good, and it very adequately uh, accompanies our current reading material, which is also gen curated. Um, it is. Yes, because we're reading Red Dust, which is uh, yeah by Marjan. By yeah. Marjan, who is yeah a guy traveling around, sort of also experiencing some of these things. I've just reached the part where he reads the a daily announcement of executions in the newspaper. Ah. Um, which yeah you've got a fair bit to go yes i have book clubs on sunday paul book clubs on sunday yes i know i've got about 100 pages i'll get there (laughs) it's yeah you will yeah i believe in you (sighs) yeah it's uh it's it's i think it's the book that helped him get extra um extra what's the word you can't go back oh uh banished Sort of, yeah, pretty much. I couldn't think of something less medieval. Exiled. Yeah. <laughs> he got super exiled. Oh, he was God. a bit on, on the run anyway yeah. because they didn't like his long hair and artistic ways. Yes, that um, does seem like something that this we've is 1980s well. sort of China. Yeah. Mainland China. Yes. Uh, I think this book made him extra not able to go back <laughs> because it's very, it's, it's raw. Yeah. It's very brutal. Yeah. About the poverty and uh, brutality of rural and urban china oh God, yeah. in the 80s absolutely and this film yeah mm. it taps into some of that without necessarily the sort of any gruey reenactments or anything although there is some pretty mm. terrifying footage of riots being suppressed which wow. you know hard to imagine yeah. you know living in the uk where you can protest all you like mm. whoops whoops we did a fascism yeah sorry everyone slips out yeah, i think most of europe has uh well, speaking Happy of Happy film to end with? Yes, uh, kind of. It's Sick of Myself. Oh, I'm sick of you too. <laughs> this is, I, I want to say Norwegian, but I also want to confirm that before I just go ahead with it. Yes, mm. this is, um, yeah, this is a, a comedy about awful people. It's um, <laughs> about a woman. Uh, her name is uh, Signe, and she's played by uh, Christine Kujaforp. And I'm sure that's a very cool uh, Norwegian way of pronouncing that. And yeah, she's just despicable, really. She's a complete narcissist who <laughs> absolutely insists on things being focused on her and feels a real sort of visible resentment when things when she's not the center of attention. She's dating a conceptual artist and she really hates the fact that he's uh, getting successful. And one day she has a chance encounter. A woman has been bitten by a dog and as... She runs in with blood pouring from her throat and, you know, Signa is the only person who rushes in to help. She notices how much attention the woman is getting and so starts to develop this idea. And the next time she's ignored at a party, she pretends to have a peanut allergy. 
And then mm. when she eats from somebody else's plate, possibly deliberately, uh, she then sort of savors the big sort of hubbub and uh, attention that she gets as a result of everybody worrying that she's going to um, mm. go into some sort of shock. And then she discovers there is a drug that is causing people to have horrific skin outbreaks. And suddenly huh. she decides that maybe she would quite like to be the face of this particular um, <laughs> of this particular thing. So, yeah, and it's it's just, she's just despicable. There's a bit where after having had the run-in with the dog, she goes and just finds a dog on the street and tries to sort of torment it into biting her so that she can, I don't know, have the same experience, yeah. I guess, of people gathering around as she bleeds out. Like, it's it's cringe comedy where, you know, immediately everybody is confronted by the worst possible consequence of the thing. If somebody says a lie, something that just disproves it just immediately shows up. In order to make it as awkward as possible. Which, gradually, as she becomes more and more disfigured as a result of her abuse of this illegal drug, turns into some kind of horror in its own Mm. way. Um, And it's not that she's sort of crazy in a normal world. The whole film is sort of this exaggerated version of the world in which everybody is the worst version of themselves and just everyone is terrible. Especially the boyfriend, who is his own kind of sort of undermining kind of terrible person and it's just people saying the sort of worst things they can to each other and you know there are fantasy sequences of worse as well which are a bit on the nose although there's a particularly great moment where they're having sex and she is asking him to um describe her funeral in which everybody's going to be really <laughs> devastated for having not gotten to know her better in life and she's sort of getting off on that so you know okay. it's that kind of humor <laughs> that we're dealing with yeah. here a really great performance uh from Kristen uh kuja uh forp i'm gonna go with um she's really excellent in it just really naturally horrible in a way that's very compelling <laughs> to watch um my only concern would be is that it does feel a little bit like there's some ableism going on here um okay. kind of bizarrely in one scene there's a scene in which a photographer has a blind personal assistant and she's you know, there and she's like doing stuff and she has to get like a bottle of a glass of water for our main character and she kind of struggles to do so and is a little clumsy and I'm just thinking, what's the point here? Mm. Is the point that this woman is, you know, living with a real impairment whilst our main characters is, you know, self-inflicted? Um, does that necessarily, you know, we're invited to find her narcissism to be despicable but you know it's very clearly some sort of destructive behavior and sort of mental health issue here but it's going for the whole seinfeld thing of just you know laughing at you know this exaggerated version of Mm. our own own flaws so you know it's funny but i do wonder why this is such a common thing in scandinavian cinema and i know the answer is because there are breakthrough successes movies like the world worst person in the world um and ruben oslin movies and you know, Joachim Trier yeah. movies where, you know, oh, hey, this really awkward comedy thing did well. So now we'll just pay people who have scripts that are like it. Yeah. You know, and we'll, and Britain says, okay, this movie did well. We'll buy movies that are similar to it. And then you have this kind of thing because, you know, mm. a door has been opened. But it just, it, it just seems like a lot of Scandinavian, Scandinavian movies I'm seeing recently are sort of awkward comedies about terrible people. <laughs> Having said that, there are a couple of others coming up in the film festival that I'm looking forward to seeing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> How many stars? Oh, that one. Oh, God. I think I'm going to give it four. I'm going to knock one off because it made me feel a bit uncomfortable in places in a way that... Fair. I don't know. Maybe that was the intention, but it, it, it didn't feel... 
it didn't feel congruent with the rest of the story mm. and uh, yeah fully realized well maybe just wonder if maybe the filmmakers were also terrible people <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> maybe they were method on this yeah why is everyone laughing yeah. <laughs> this is very serious <laughs> um keep doing this i uh thought this i remember this one from the yeah. program as well i thought it looked interesting it is interesting it's in a weird sort of way yeah <laughs> it's definitely weird um mm. but yeah I enjoyed it. Cool. It's very funny. I think it will play well to a crowd. Excellent. Well, that's a whole bunch of films already from the film festival. <laughs> I, How many more to go, Paul? A few more. I do. I did actually a couple of times there feel a little outgunned, but I think it's just because I didn't have enough time to prepare my notes, which is going to be a recurring problem for this. Like, Blaze, I feel like I wasn't prepared enough to adequately explain why that movie's great. Um, nevertheless. It's tricky. I hope uh, I've I feel free that to across a bit. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, for the film festival, I don't think anyone would hold it against you if you did shorter. I'm so tired, everyone. Shorter summaries and reviews yes. of things. I don't think you'd quite have to go into so much detail for that, every film you see at the film festival. That might be an idea because, uh, or even necessarily cover all of the films you see. If there's a bunch well, that you just are completely average about and don't think you say, don't think. You don't think they say anything particularly interesting? Maybe just don't bother. Maybe, because between now and the 17th, I am due to see 31 movies. Yeah, that's a lot of movies, Paul. That's quite a lot of movies, Jen. Like I said, there's only going to be 20 good ones during the entire that's film That's true, festival, you've said I'm that. I'm going to pick them, so... Oh, God, I've already seen quite a few of them. I'm like that octopus who could predict the world. But... <laughs> that's the level of engagement you have with this programme. Mm -hmm. like the octopus who predicts the world cup (laughs) amazing i've got eight fingers i'm just going to point to eight different films in the program by that that london gangster that you got in deep with yeah you've been octopus jen (laughs) very unfortunate and insensitive nickname uh... that i insisted upon (laughs) be a friend i'll forgive you and that's what it's all about and that is Scandinavian cinema, cinema now. Yeah, and that's all cinema, yeah. actually. That's cinema. As Lynch would have you know, yeah. that's cinema. He'd have you know it. And that, that Lithuanian guy. Yeah, probably. Him too. I don't know. I forgot. As, now that I've spoken about each of those movies, I've forgotten all of them. Deleted them. Yeah. You're done. You've 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 recorded it. You can delete them out of your brain yeah. and make space for the Nan movie again. Yeah, and Idris Elba punching mm. a lion. The best thing I saw yeah. this month. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, ignore God. the film festival. Just watch it yourself to punch like a lion wanna, beast. Yeah, I just want to go see more films like Ticket to Paradise, I think. You can see why it was actually quite a relaxing break. Yeah, I can see why. <laughs> I can see why. I think I saw it immediately after Blue Island, in fact. <laughs> yeah, well, I apologise in advance for the films I've picked from the film festival. <laughs> I can't wait. I don't think they're going to be that relaxing. Oh, I love it. I can't wait. Except for my father's dragon. Oh, yeah. You've been listening to Jen and the Film Critic, a film mayhem podcast. This week was a special episode about press screenings from the London Film Festival 2022. My name was Jen Blundell, and it still is Jen Blundell. And with me, of (laughs) course, was Paul Salt, my film critic. Goodbye. Goodbye. Paul Paul needs to sleep and rest now. (laughs) I have more films soon. (laughs) Yes, you do. Eat them up and enjoy them, little boy. (laughs) Be grateful. Our, f- um, our theme music was by Jacob Lundell and you can get in touch with us at Screen Mayhem on Twitter and other social medias and via email at filmcriticpodcast at gmail.com. 
Um, stay tuned for more updates about the London Film Festival oh. as they come. And let us know if you've seen anything great yeah. and what you thought about it. Absolutely. And We'd engage, be fascinated to know. Engage with the London Film Festival. There's a lot of stuff going oh, yeah. on. A lot of weird and stuff. And if, you if you're can't, if you not in or near London, mm. there are also films available yes. on the BFI player. Yep. So that's not iPlayer. It's the British Film yes. Institute player. It was a clever pun at the time, but nobody understands. It's yeah. awful. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but if you go on there, you can rent films to watch during, um, a, you know, a set time period. Yep. Much and more flexibly are, this year. Much more flexibly this year. So over quite over a couple of weeks, there are a bunch of films that will be available mm. for you to rent. And once you start it, I believe you have something like six hours to finish it in. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of very interesting looking films. Oh, yeah. Even just on the um, the online player. Yeah program absolutely um and i believe there are also actual cinema screenings around the uk yes, all of around the films uk as well yeah all around the uk of certain select cinemas yeah um if you want more information go to london go bfi london film festival LFF stick 2022. in your google we'll yeah lff 2022 um don't look at last year's one no 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 <laughs> you can find all the information you need there all of it and all the information about yeah. me it's it's all good stuff yeah, they do have a special page for Paul Salt. <laughs> the tribute page. <laughs> yeah, the tribute page. To the boy to whom we gave shingles last year. <laughs> to shingly a special Joe. tribute. Oh, Shingly Joe. Nobody asked my name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll, get him, we'll get him for good one year. I'm Shingly Joe. Um, and I'm sick of you. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye.